You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This to record. <laughs> yup. Okay, is that us? It is. We sound even we better. Sound, we can hear. We yeah. Get, yeah, we can you hear and we better. sound good. Yes. Okay, so we'll start, as we always do, All right. with a little cold open. Okay. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. Hey, so I don't know when we're ever going to have this podcast out in the world of podcasting, Okay, but this is Easter weekend yes. for us. For us. So do your, did your family do an Easter thing? <laughs> well, no, we really don't. <laughs> um, I'm going, in fact, over to my parents' house, uh-huh. and we're going to eat probably some peanut butter and jelly. Mate, actually, no, we have some ham sandwiches that we're going to eat. I was going to. The say, answer is no, but, we don't. And but wait, peanut I, butter and jelly? I, I really, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's a great answer. Fabulous. So no, well said. But that's the plan this year. Well, that's a good place. Um, so, in the past, we have, but now we're keeping it simple. Okay. Is what we're doing. Well, I like that. Well, uh, we don't really do anything either. Um, once aye, the kids aye. got a little too, <laughs> once the kids got a little too old for the eggs, then Mama was like, "Oh, right. fine." Yes. See, that's how we are. Right. Uh, you know, it's we. Yeah, and we hang out. It's about family. So, yes, we do have plans. Oh, good, good, to good, To get good. together. Yeah. Yes. I always used to make that joke that if I drank enough vodka the night before and hid the eggs in the morning, I could hunt for them, too, <laughs> because I wouldn't know where well, they were. Well, you know, if, if that were to happen, you might find that egg via smell <laughs> later. Or, or like the next Easter. Experience. You're like, wait a minute, this is the pandemic egg. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay, well, that's fabulous. And here we are. We're at episode two, Mark. Yes, we are. That's amazing. So, uh, well. Welcome, everyone, to My Grandma's Diaries. All right, so here we are. So last week, we found ourselves meeting your grandmother, Elizabeth Hartzell, Mm -hmm. for the first time. Mm -hmm. We discovered that she was the middle child of five 
You know, I didn't even realize that last time that she's the middle kid. She sure is. And a lot of times the middle kid is the one who gets lost in the kid shuffle. Interesting. Right? You know, I mean, that's the theory. Yeah. I have four children, so I don't technically have a middle. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anyone got lost. They'll tell me in the comments. But yeah, so here she was, a middle child, um, but really having a cool perspective in her family of being that not as old as her sister and her brother, obviously, but right. also being a caretaker for her little That's sisters. That's key to her story at this point. Which is point. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we found out that she was an active helper during she- the beginning of the Depression, wanting to help less fortunate people. And we have to think that at that point in time, she nobody realized it was the Great Depression. And like mm-hmm. what we said, it was the very first year in 1929, but actually it was more like in 30, I'll Talk about that in a second. But, uh-huh. Yeah. But um, yes, she was all about helping people and they started the Good Girls Club. The Good Girls Club. That's how this diary starts. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully how, how it ends too. I think yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Um, we find out that her father is unemployed and he's in Memphis looking mm-hmm. for a job. Yeah. They're in Monticello at this time. Yeah, Monticello. Monticello. It's okay. I say yeah. things wrong too. It's all right. They'll tell us. And that once she got out of school for summer, she got a summer job working at a canning factory. Yes. Snipping green beans. Snipping green beans. And she starts her job at the beginning of June, but by the end of the June, it was closed. It was. And you know... And that's 1931. Correct. And that's when we start seeing these cracks. So we're going to get into that in just a second. Okay. But before we get too far... Yes. Who the heck are us? <laughs> who are us? <laughs> who are us? So, Mark, tell us a little bit about who you are and what made you want to do this podcast. Um, I am 52 years old. Oh, dang. Is this your Tinder profile? <laughs> your age? <laughs> <laughs> am I not supposed to give that out? No, you can say how old you are. I think I love it. I'm, I'm not a- saying how old I am. I might. Go for it. I just don't it's care. It's fine. Oh, right. I'm 52, right? I, I straight either. up. I was born... In 1970. So you do the math and it <laughs> equals 52. So, so, um, in as a kid, you know, doing this project made me think back to my childhood Did it. and how storytelling plays a huge part in this family. <gasps> and sort of to introduce who I am, I'd like to introduce just in a subtle way, who my grandfather was. Do it. He had... Wait, this wait is a minute, Elizabeth, which grandfather? This is Elizabeth's husband. Okay. He had a film camera. Oh. When it was not... When nobody had a film camera. He... Well, I mean, few people did. He... This is a family that has had moving pictures in and movies, even down to some home movies from Cuba, from my grandfather with his camera. So... My mother actually sort of got that as well. She made documentary films in the 70s and 80s. How did she get involved in that? Well, you know what? We should ask her one day. We'll let her answer we that will. question. But uh, that's really cool because I really, didn't know this about her. I was thinking her. about this and it was passed down to me mm-hmm. from uh, Elizabeth. Nice. You know, I think that whole, because it was passed in, to my mother, who I started very early editing video, mm-hmm. like in the 1970s, because my mother and father bought me two VCRs, you know, VHS VCRs, and I figured out that you can edit. So I've been editing ever since. So I, cool. And that led to me going in, into the television business. Mm-hmm. I've got like a science brain. So I decided in... 1990-ish, 
that I wanted to be a weatherman, a mm-hmm. meteorologist. So I became a full-blown meteorologist in 1993, worked in the television business here in Charleston for, gosh, it was like 10 to 12 years, a long time a doing long time. the morning show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I it had was the best great. job. Oh, I loved watching you on it. I yeah. miss you on it. You it were was, so cute. Yeah, but it was three o'clock in the morning yes. <laughs> You know when I got there in my suit and tie, but it was a great job. Mm-hmm. So I decided to leave the TV business after 9-11, it just sort of coincided. I don't even know if it had anything to do with each other. But Oh, I wonder subconsciously if it did. It, it, it bothered me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Oh, it's and, a life changer for me and so many people I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got out of that business but stayed in the, in the editing and documentary film business. Cool. So I ran video production company mm-hmm. in the... 2000s for 20 years yes and we're in charleston south carolina there are there is a lot of history Mm -hmm. in charleston there is a lot of flora and fauna and Mm -hmm. every single corner has a story to tell so what i've been doing for 22 years is telling stories with video and now that we have the internet and research and everything i can fill my brain with history like no before like yes so it's at your fingertips literally yes literally yes Yes. Yes. in your pocket totally i think that's so cool crazy so oh i i couldn't have imagined a life like that when i was a little yes exactly so that's how i landed here which is perfect which is a perfect which is a perfect connection to you Mm -hmm. which is your acting background, right? Yes, yes. I started acting in Charleston and South Carolina when I was 16 years old, and that's where you and I met when I was about 20-something. Yep. And I am a lover of history. I think for a weird reason, I come from an old Charleston family. We settled in Charleston in 1690. Wow. And we've been here ever since. We uh, A lot of streets are named after my family. And I always thought that was a pretty cool thing and a pretty big deal. And then when I was 15 years old, I found out I was adopted. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, everything I thought that I knew about me was incorrect. And it was really, uh, it was was a real difficult (laughs) time for me. And then I became really obsessed with who were my parents. And back then, I was 15 in 1980, I don't know, five. There was no internet, and there was no access to adoption records, and there was no way that I could dig into something and find answers. Mm -hmm. So when the internet did come around, I would spend all my free time trying Mm -hmm. to crack the seal of my adoption and find out who my people were. And I think that turned me into a big-time researcher. Yeah. So it sparked the love of history that is still in me today. I own a tour company in Charleston, and I spent, I've owned it for 10 years now, and I've spent more than those 10 years really trying to understand not just the history of Charleston, but how the history of the world around us affected it. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly reading nonfiction. I'm the biggest history nerd mm-hmm. I know. Um, during the pandemic, I decided for fun <laughs> that I would read a biography of every American president. Because when during the pandemic and the guy that was president then, there was always this unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented. And I thought, is it? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of presidents. There are others who sparked as much like interest or right. f- uh, fervor. And I wanted to find out who those guys were. Hmm. And what I didn't understand about that at the time is that people write very, very long biographies. <laughs> yeah, no and doubt. And I'm only still, it's 2023, and I have been lazy about it, but I'm only an FDR. <laughs> Are you going in order? Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I did all my presidential books on um, Audible. Um, yeah. Please sponsor this podcast. <laughs> so there are some presidents I didn't have biographies for. Sure. So I would look them up online and I would um, mm-hmm. look for documentaries or mm-hmm. try to find other presidents that affected them. And because of that, I did read about Calvin Coolidge and I did read about Herbert Hoover, mm-hmm. who went by Bert. Um, and that kind of made me think, you know, I am not an economist. So I don't know anything about the Great Depression, but I know enough about it to kind of paint the picture of what's going on in Elizabeth's life right now. Okay. So I thought I'd kind of lay Please. out some depression sure. facts. <laughs> Depression <laughs> that are not just like, Liz wakes up and he's sad, <laughs> which can also happen. But to understand the Great Depression, you really have to go back to World War One. This is a time of huge technology advances. You've got radio, you've got electricity, you've got um, cars and aviation. And manufacturing goes boom, not just making things for war, but making like canned goods and canning things like in the last episode. So manufacturing is going big. Farmers are trying to go big to keep up with manufacturing. The stock market, that's what we always hear about with the Great Depression. The stock market's doing great. And nobody thinks this is ever going to end. So regular folks like the you and me's of the world, not even the farmers, people are taking out loans Mm. so that they can buy stocks because they think they're going to make their money back big time, pay off this loan and everything's going to be great. Yet nobody sees an end to it. And it's like a free for all. What's also happening is that during World War One, the uh, America loaned a lot of money to Europe, kind of like we're doing to Ukraine now. We're not just giving them money. It's a loan. They're going to have to pay it back. Mm. But Europe isn't paying back their loans to America as mm-hmm. they should because they can't. Mm-hmm. They haven't bounced back yet. Europe right. was devastated by World War One. So the banking and the whole financial world is super, super wobbly. And then here comes Herbert Hoover. Mm-hmm. Now, Herbert Hoover is actually, he should have been the president who saved us because he was a self-made man. He was a millionaire by the time he was 40 years old. He had ended up being one of the first kids to ever go to Stanford, mm. and he majored in geology. Huh. One woman was at Stanford at the same time that he was, so he uh-huh. married her. <laughs> uh-huh. She was also a geologist, and they got into mining operations all over the world. They're in China. They're in India. The they Hoovers? Speak, the Hoovers. And they end up speaking like eight languages. Really? They would speak to each other in Mandarin when they didn't want anyone to know what they were talking about. Wow. So he was a super self-made, super smart guy. And huh. during World War One, there is a humanitarian crisis going on in Belgium. Um, right. Poverty. They need food. And he personally starts a mission to send food and aid to Belgium. Mm-hmm. And he, at one point, there'll be almost 600 boats under his neutral banner sailing to Europe and Belgium for these humanitarian aids. So that gets the interest of uh, President Wilson, who's president during during World War I. And he's like, well, this guy's super smart. I'm going to put him as the head of the Food Administration Mm -hmm. in my government, which Mm -hmm. would become the Food and Drug Administration. Okay. And Hoover decides that he doesn't want us to have to ration food because he thinks that's going to freak out America and scare everybody. So he's like, let's become 
become really conservative about food. And he's actually the guy who starts Meatless Monday. Really? Yes. Huh. I mean, we do Meatless Monday. Yeah, probably for a different reason. Well, no, well, 100% why we do it. But that's where it came from. Interesting. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, very cool. Thanks, Herbert. Right. And actually, hoovering, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we uh, which we think of as vacuuming, hoovering became like the slang for, oh, let's be conservative about our food. So we're hoovering. We're, we're not hoover. eating meat on right. Monday. And he right, tried right. to get people to use less lard. I don't know why lard was so important, but huh. maybe because of oil. But anyway, that's all. That well. was what he contributed. So when it came time for him to run for president... It's, you know, the, the roaring 20, 20s are going strong. It's 1928 when he's campaigning. Mm-hmm. He's a great campaigner. He's like, I will eradicate poverty mm-hmm. in the United States. He's that guy who said there'll be a chicken in every pot. And oh, he's gangbuster. Promising. And you would think from his past, on paper, he looks really good to help out. Things are not going to go as well. And it's interesting, though, when the crash happens... 29. Yes. But even in... Um, he, he becomes president in 29. In, the, okay. in 1930, 1931, when businesses are starting to get really affected and things are going bad, he has a relationship with all these big businesses in America because he was that guy who's like, don't regulate business. Calvin right. Coolidge was the same way. They're like, if you let businesses run wild, they will support the economy of America. It's all about making money and let them grow, let them grow. Mm-hmm. So when the depression is happening, he calls them and he goes, hey, don't fire anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't cut their salaries. Everything's going to be fine. Don't freak anybody out. And that was probably a real bad decision because people yeah. lost even more money. Uh, In 1931, 25% of America will be unemployed. Mm-hmm. That. Today, our unemployment is 3.5. Amazing. And as high as it got during the pandemic, it was only 8%. Right. So 25% in 1931, which is exactly where we are in Mm -hmm. the diary right now and where we find Elizabeth in Monticello. Yes. Oh, and can I just say a side note? Of course. After after Hoover leaves office, Mm -hmm. he hates FDR. No doubt. I mean, he spent years just... Talking about this guy and vilifying this guy, trying so hard to protect his legacy. FDR essentially came in and really, when we're able to look back on the 30s, he came in and we'll talk about this in Elizabeth's story because some direct impacts of the WPA affect mm-hmm. Elizabeth and her mm-hmm. family. It's oh, just absolutely. It's it's wild, but in the Great Depression, even before the stock market crash, right? Mm-hmm. 1929 mm-hmm. stock market boom. Mm-hmm. Before that, mm-hmm. Arkansas was in trouble and it actually led the nation in per capita indebtedness oh, was no. Arkansas. Because those farmers were taking out those loans. Yes, it was. Uh-huh. That's exactly Buying why. equipment. Yep. And Mm -hmm. of course, Arkansas was like totally an agricultural state. Yeah. That's what it was all about. There were low crop prices ultimately, and that left the farmers, they couldn't pay their taxes. Right. Is is what happened. Mm -hmm. And this is before the stock market crash. Yeah. And the Great Depression, looking back on it, it wasn't like one day there wasn't a depression and the next day there was. Right. So 1929, you know, that's kind of like the start. But I think looking back on it, it wasn't exactly the moment. No. Um, But in 1930, to make even things even worse, there was a huge drought. Across Arkansas. So it was this confluence of 
events, really. It wasn't just the Great Depression. It mm-hmm. was a confluence of events. It was a perfect storm. Oh, of, wow. And so even like people's – we're talking a year before Elizabeth starts her diary. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about gardens, cotton crops being like literally burned in the, in the soil, like the sun burning oh. them. And one th- – get this, one-third of Arkansas State's population, one-third mm-hmm. faced starvation <gasps> at the time. Did you say what year that was? That was 1930. You know what? It's funny because one of the things I just remembered that I knew about Herbert Hoover was that he bailed out the bank before uh, he would send any aid to rural or city yes. people who were starving, which is such a thing because he helped starving people before. Mm. But now that he's in charge, he's like, oh, and, you know, he was an orphan. So mm. he grew up in poverty. So he probably you, thought, I pulled myself up. You can pull yourself you know, up. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so flip-flopping people here. But oh. yeah, a third of the state's population face starvation. Wow. And of course, that becomes very apparent in Elizabeth's story, even in one of the readings that we'll read today. Yes. Is when they oh, for sure. first start. What I did in my research is narrowed how the Great Depression, when Elizabeth at 13 years old started the diary in 31, mm-hmm. to what was going on in the county that she was living in. Oh, in Monticello. fabulous. Yes. And so we're talking like the very beginning of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Bank and Trust Company, the bank Mm -hmm. in Monticello, where she lived, it just closed one day and was liquidated. Everything sold. It was gone. And it had a manager. And sort of the telling sign was that he committed suicide. Oh, no. Because of this. Oh, Um, no. And... Some businesses closed, some stayed open. Now, we're Mm -hmm. talking like almost the exact same year that we're in, in the diary. Mm -hmm. A lot of farms, they lost their farms, and a a lot of the farmers went to Memphis, St. Louis to look for jobs. That's where dad is right now. Exactly. And that's what happened. Memphis is not Arkansas. No, no, for <laughs> You know sure. what I mean? Right. But it's right there. But still, yeah. It's right there. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Well, yeah. that's fascinating. All right. So as far as Arkansas goes, they were just whammied, you know, yes. with droughts, even floods and droughts. Like you said, unemployment rate in Arkansas was 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And that's where we find Elizabeth right, right. now. Yep. Right now. Right now we do. Once I built a railroad. Now it's done, brother, can you spare a dime? Once I built a tower up to the sun, brick and rivet and lime. Once I built a tower, now it's done, brother, can you spare a dime? 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. July 31st, 1931. Played cards and paper dolls with Dean and Mana Peacock this morning. Dean got bit by a dog that was bitten by a mad dog, and now she has to take the shots. Okay, what do you know about rabies shots in the 1930s? Well, I know a little something, thanks to one of our viewers. What? Yes, Cletus. Oh! He, I, I had a picture up when I was editing this. I thought, all right, you know, I'll go back and look at, you know, somebody giving a shot. Mm-hmm. In the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So I went back and found somebody giving a shot, and it was right in the arm. And Cletus made it known that then rabies shots were given in the belly. Yes, they were. And you want to know so how you many go. you get? The Ooh, tri- okay. I don't know. Yeah. Because you actually, one of my daughter's friends got mm. bitten by a monkey in Mexico. Oh, of course, like they- all of us. <laughs> had a dollar um but when she came back they treated her for rabies just to be on the safe side uh-huh. so she had a bunch of shots even in even 2020 today. whatever the yeah year. okay wow. so back then or maybe even still today mm-hmm. the treatment consisted of 25 injections of wow. rabies vaccine three on the first day two on the second two on the third wow. and one each day after for 18 days in the tummy no way ouch, ouch. i would have been like i'll take the rabies <laughs> no i'll just foam at the mouth and uh, right. yell at my friends <laughs> uh, was this dean or helen uh I, dean this is dean yeah okay dean. so elizabeth's little sister i wonder if it was like her initial shot i mean she was i guess in the middle of getting a series of shots that's crazy yeah i don't know she doesn't mention when she got him but yeah 20. it's awful and also i found manna peacock you did manna. now this is this is a great story yeah and manna was born in monticello on march 5th of 1921 oh so she's more Younger. like dean's age oh. so i think she was dean's friend and oh, i think that's okay. why she's playing paper dolls I gotcha. with the two of them so manna marries Elmer Curry in 1939, and she attended the Arkansas State Teachers College. She will divorce. Oh, dear. Elmer Curry, that's okay. She lands on her feet. She will get her master's degree and her PhD at Columbia in New York City. She was a nutritionist, and she implemented state school lunch programs in Arkansas and Missouri in the 1960s. You have got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. She married a man named Dr. Daniel Pratt. He was a world-renowned chemist. Really? Mm -hmm. Little Mona? Mana? Mana. Mana. At least I think it's Mana. Uh, really? Yes. Um, and they had one child who I'm not going to mention because they haven't reached back out to me, but I found them on Facebook and I sent them a message and I let them know wow. that, hey, your parents sound like extraordinary people. Yeah. Her father had fellowships from colleges all over the country and the world. He even worked in China helping with a, a humanitarian crisis. Wow. In China. Oh, Sounds like a, the Good Girls Club for grown-ups. I know. Isn't it the truth? Very, very yeah, cool. That yeah. is... Wow. Mm-hmm. 
And I did some research on paper dolls. Oh, that's you so know, cool. What'd you find? Well, paper dolls were, you know, they weren't like necessarily in little game boxes. They could come in magazines and newspapers. And I found this one great one called Dolly Dingle. Oh, no. That's her name. <laughs> we'll put it up on Instagram. But it's this little girl and she has these basic clothes on, but you can dress her up. You can cut it out, and mm-hmm. they have these little tabs on them. And you just change the clothes out. They're paper. There's a cowboy hat, a suit, and a play suit, and a cowboy suit, and different shoes and stockings. But mm-hmm. they named her Debbie Dingle. <laughs> and it's a whole page for kitties. K-I-D-D-I-E-S. Oh, that's... I had paper dolls as a little girl. You did? Yeah. And my mother, who was born in 1935, uh-huh. had movie star paper dolls. Cool. So she had Vivian Lee and Clark Gable, and right. I don't know who else was popular back then. But the reason that paper dolls were so popular yeah, was yeah. because of these manufacturing booms. The uh-huh. printing paper, printing paper dolls was so easy, as well as magazines and things. That's when magazines become super popular. And yep. catalogs. Yep. Because yep, they can yep, yep. zip these things out. You got it. Way to go manufacturing. Yeah. Elizabeth, you can just see her, them all playing, you know, these paper dolls. Oh, I mean. In your head. You can I see mean, them. I can see it because I did it. Yeah. I can remember taking my shoebox of paper dolls over to my little best friend's house, mm-hmm. and we would lay them all down around her room, like, and we put the doll mm. on top of all their little clothes. And then we'd act out little plays, and our paper dolls would be in different outfits. I had Marie Antoinette paper dolls. Cool. I can't remember who. I think I'm, I know I had Barbie paper dolls. But yeah, it was pretty cool, right? Huh. Paper dolls. Who knew? Yeah. I think I had David Cassidy paper dolls. You did not, but you wish. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Sean Cassidy. Fuck, I had the poster, yeah. August 1931. I think I'm in love at last. August 21st, day of the great discovery. If I'm not in love with C.G., a brunette, it's A.H., a blonde. I can't decide, though. I think it's the brunette. I hope he loves me. September 4th, 1931. Worked and read this morning. Went over to Mabel's this afternoon. Looked at movie stars and made some lemon candy. Had a date with Bill, but he stood me up. Sadly, this won't be the first time Elizabeth gets stood up. Right. Uh, we'll discover that later. And she also will have a bad track record with Bill's, but spoiler. <laughs> um, but from these, I did find Mabel. Okay. okay. What's Mabel up to in um, life? Mabel will end up attending Randolph-Macon Women's College. She was in theater. Not only did she perform, she directed theater. She married William Elhurt in The Little Church Around the Corner in New York City. You lived in New York City for a while. Have you ever heard of The Little Church Around the Corner? I have not. Well, it's there. What is it? It's a little church, and they just called it The Little Church Around the Corner. And it's adorable. Sweet. Um, they got married in 1952. She was 34 and he was 40. Wow. And lady. William was an auditor for Cooper and Librans, which is one of the oldest accounting firms. It's not around anymore. But it was up until, I think, the 90s huh. or 2003. Anyway, one of the most uh, famous accounting firms in the United States. And when he was in high school, his name was William Elhurt. They called him Wee. Wee. <laughs> like W-E. Go yeah. Mabel. I Go know. Mabel. Isn't that cute? Yes. So we have pictures of Manna oh, and Mabel yay. that will be on our Patreon gallery Excellent. when we get that going. Right. So there you have it. You know, I was looking back at this entry today. She's 13. 
13 or 14. I can't remember in this entrance. I think she's 14 okay, by now. Okay, she's 14 yeah. by now. Mm-hmm. But her handwriting is just so neat and beautiful for a 13-year-old. Well, you had to take handwriting oh. in class, and you would win awards. Oh. Even when I was in school, you still could win handwriting awards. Yes, mm-hmm. I And that. I'm left-handed, right. yes. so my right-handed school teacher would mm-hmm. just come by my desk and go, just... Just, just try, and but everybody else, she would come behind them and hold their hands and kind of help them make the loops and get used to the cursive, Mm -hmm. um, and she would just keep walking. What's her name? We'll go get her. Miss McDonald was her name. She had gorgeous red hair, and she always wore suits and scarves, like Uh like a golden girl or something. Yeah, Mm. she she was interesting looking, and of course, in my mind, she's ancient. She was probably (laughs) thirty, right? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My my mom was the same way about my left handedness because my mother was a beautiful seamstress and sewer, and she Mm. made all my clothes until I was about twelve, and I would beg her to teach me how to sew, and Mm -hmm. she would go, "Oh, Elizabeth, I don't know how to teach a left handed person." <laughs> I've, I've, well, you well, know, I, I can it might, understand you just that. Show to me, some and I'll mimic right, you right. with my left hand. But I found that that was true to my, of my mother of many things. It's a very Southern woman ah, thing. Not to say you won't do it, but I to can't. say you can't. And it's so much more polite. Oh, I'm mm, so, I can. Mm, right. Instead of I right. wouldn't do that if you right. paid me good money. Right. Right. All right. Go cool. get the mail. So then, I can. <laughs> September 7th, 1931. School started today, went from 9 until 12. I have three teachers and four subjects, English, history, Latin, and geometry. I'm a sophomore. I'm the only girl in our class taking history. October 12th, 1931. Went to school all day, came home and fooled around, studied tonight until the lights burned out. Then I walked up the street with mother. You know, I think school was such a given for Elizabeth at this point. Well, schools were really unregulated in 1931. Right. um, Because uh, I think it was only mandatory uh, in the 19... Maybe right before she was born. 1917, I think, was the year that you had to go to school. But Massachusetts was the first state to Uh make going to school mandatory. Uh And it took a... like. 20 more years for the rest of the states to do it. I never thought of that. So, yeah, when she's going to school, there's not a whole lot of what has to be taught. Right. What's interesting is that in 1931 was the first year of the Dick and Jane books that teach you how to read. Wow. Like see Dick run, see Jane yeah. run away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in 1930, and I'm amazed we don't come across this, and this is a okay. side where we're going to, uh, I'm getting off topic, but we're, we'll, we'll come back, I promise. Um, Nancy Drew books yeah. started in 1930. Okay. And I found out yesterday okay. when I was researching for this podcast, mm-hmm. Carolyn Keene isn't a person. Who's Carolyn Keene wrote all the Nancy Drew books, oh. but she's not a person. She's a pseudonym oh. for all the women who wrote Nancy Drew books. They would pick a, an author, some rando, and they'd give him $125, which sounds like a lot of money in 1932 right. to me. And uh, they wrote the Nancy Drew books. So it was a different author every time. That is weird. It's and now it makes sense because they were still publishing Nancy Drew books in the 1980s. I'm like, huh, that woman is very prolific. <laughs> she started awfully young. So yeah, anyway, but that's my off-topic thing. But Dick and Jane books in 1931. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And in so ni- that's what Dean and Helen would be learning to read on. Yes. But not Elizabeth. She had gone into older books, right? 
I guess. I mean, she's 14. So. And when she reads, she does it by, like, oil lamp. It was a development in the oil lamp which provided the first really cheap and universal method of efficient lighting. It isn't easy for us to realize what a difference this made in the simple household. There mm-hmm. only when she's writing this diary entry, only two point one percent of Arkansas farms had electricity. We're talking about farms. Now, yeah, she, she is in a city, but still. Right, but still that gives you an idea. And I think that, you know, sh- how she often studies or reads until the oil lamp burns out. Mm-hmm. I think they were probably rationing their oil at the time for the oil lamp. Probably. I'm you sure know? it was expensive. Right. And clearly they couldn't, even if they had electricity in whatever apartment, house, whatever they're living in now, probably didn't turn it on. Exactly. I mean, in earlier entries, she is talking about how cold she is. Right. And so. These could these were actually dangerous. You know, they, it was kerosene, lamp oil, olive oil you could even do these with. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> and animal fat, like lard. So maybe, like you were saying before, maybe there was some sort of rain in on lard. Oh, yeah, there was. I mean, during World War right, I. Right, you said, yeah, right. Isn't that interesting? And imagine it had to be well ventilated because everything was either candle or oil or fire, you know. Well, right. Fires are a huge part of the growing of America. Even once electricity happens, I can remember watching the first episode of Downton Abbey, Uh which takes place right when the Titanic sinks. So what is that, 1912? And they're getting electricity in Downton Abbey. And the old matriarch, the dowager, is like, oh, this is terrible. It's going to burn the whole house down. She's Uh terrified of it. She hates it. So I can imagine a lot of people were. Well, I'm sure they were when it came in. And actually, this is some fun stuff that there was a concerted effort to electrify Arkansas in 1936. And it was part of the what was called the REA. It's a huge deal. Is that one of Roosevelt's yes. things? Yep. Oh, cool. It was called the REA, totally important, the Rural Electrification Administration. It was part of the New Deal, and it was specifically for these farmers. And what it did, it provided a 25-year loan <gasps> at 3% interest for constructing power lines in rural areas it electrified the farms isn't that interesting that is interesting overall what the officials believed was that um this would just like improve incomes of farms and raise standards Uh and so it was really rural areas were last to get to basically oh for sure right yeah my daddy grew up on a farm, and they didn't have electricity until he came back from World War II. Really? And tapped into and, the power line that ran uh, down by the yes, farm. same thing. And just rigged it himself. Yes, that's what... I mean, what, he could have killed himself. I know, right? I, I, a lot of people were doing this. I mean, in Arkansas, in the rural areas, fewer than five customers per mile of electric line, right? Five customers oh were goodness. out in the farms. Sure. You know, outside of Monticello, Monticello by like two miles is what we're talking Right, right. Five people per mile. That's amazing. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, so Rural Electrification Administration. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, it's true. Perfect, perfect, perfect. October 14th, 1931. Went to school all day. Went to parties. This afternoon, I went to Pee Wee's. I washed her hair. We went to town, and she got a finger wave. Studied tonight, read to the kids and myself. Mrs. Durand had a nine and a half pound boy. October 15th, 1931. Went to school all morning. Went back this afternoon and had Latin. 
Everything was topsy-turvy because of the two deaths, Mrs. Williamson and the Durand baby. Mm. Yeah, that's sad. I couldn't find anything on Mrs. Williamson, so bless her sweetheart, uh, wherever she is. But the little Durand baby didn't even make it a day. But get this name. Yes. What was his first name? Well, his name was John Hopkins Duran. Oh, my. Really? Now, I tried to find his parents to see if they went on and had a lovely life and had more mm-hmm. babies and that everything was fine. But both the names on the uh, death certificate are really hard to read. Mm. And the father listed just his name as M.J. Durand, and mm-hmm. he says that he was born in Louisiana. So I searched huh. Louisiana, I searched Arkansas, I searched uh, Missouri. I never could find this family. And I couldn't even read her name, but it looked like it was a Swedish name or a German name. Durand? Couldn't, no, her maiden name. On oh, birth, I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. always put a maiden name. Right. But w- although we didn't know his name until right the second, yes. um, you found his grave. I did, through Ancestry. <laughs> Sponsor us. And Ancestry is incredible. I hadn't used it before like October of last year. And the amount of information. Oh, I know. Is just incredible. It's invaluable. Invaluable. For really anybody. And Mark McKinney, we need to do your Ancestry DNA. All right. I mean, you might as well do it. it. And then when we get it, we'll reveal it live on a TikTok and find out what your ethnicity is. I get the feeling you're going to be like me. I'm like the whitest white person you'll ever meet. I'm German, like Northern German, all Ireland, all English. I mean, I'm I'm just as white as I could be. But I did it to help find my um, family. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we did find the Durand baby. We who did. was indeed nine and a half pounds. That's Aww. a lot, right? That's a big baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. We found his grave at yeah, Find tell, a Grave. Yeah, tell us about it. Well, it was really odd because, you know, a lot of these grave sites have just the regular tomb headstones. Mm-hmm. This little boy had a very intricate, it almost looks like concrete. I'm looking at it now. Mm-hmm. And the head had fallen off. A little statue of a boy with a dog? That's right. Yeah. Yes. It was uh-huh. a little statue of a boy with a dog mm-hmm. um, in front of his little grave. Yeah. Just this sweet. striking little image that I found on Find a Grave and the amount of comments on TikTok yes. of people that were touched by hearing Elizabeth's entry and then seeing this grave so a hundred years later. Yes. And seeing that little head falling off. I know. I'll bet somebody, hopefully one of our viewers went by there and picked it up. Tell me the name of the cemetery. Oakland Cemetery. Oakland Cemetery in Monticello, Arkansas. All right. Somebody who lives there, go there and take some um, Gorilla Glue with you and fix his little head. It's true. And honor that little Durand baby. Yeah. Bless his sweet little heart. Mm -hmm. My grandmother died giving birth to my mother, my adopted mother. I did not know that. Yes. I'm down at the Baker Hospital um, in uh Charleston, South Carolina. Your grandmother? My mother's mother. Okay. Okay. When my mom was born, her mom died in childbirth. But here's the thing. Um, We always knew that because she wasn't around. (laughs) My mom was raised by her grandmother. It doesn't matter. But my father used to always say, I would always say, oh, mom must feel so bad because her mother died in childbirth. Uh And dad would say, no, no. She died the next day. She had pneumonia. Oh. I'm like, oh, but then I just recently found her death certificate, mm, yeah. and death was complications of pregnancy. Oh, well, mm, and it was the same day that mom was born. Yeah. So it's so sad. But you know, yeah, well, that I happened mean, a lot. And you know, this, infant mortality is still oh, back uh, then, especially. especially back then. But even today, it's something that 
is real concerning mm-hmm. the numbers it shouldn't be as high as it is today well, in the country we live in today yeah for sure well nine and a half pounds Jeez, <laughs> poor baby boy i know i know planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. November 1st, 1931. Went to Sunday school, then came home and helped Mother and Leon make a cake. Didn't have dinner. Mary Claire came by and took me to Pine Bluff with her and the rest of her family. November 8th, 1931. Didn't go to Sunday school today on account of my cold. Stayed home all day and did nothing. Went to league. Daddy came home tonight. We're going to have to move. So as we heard in the last podcast, right, the dad, Louie, had, had written this letter to his father a couple of years prior to this. His dad, her dad had been looking for a job for years. Well, he had briefly found that one with the tie with company, company in Monticello. Yep. So it looks like he's been there for a couple of years, but at the beginning of the diary, I think he's already out of work. Right. And it's taken all this time now for it to be so desperate. But when I first read it, I thought, oh, they're moving. He got a job. Yes. But it turns out they don't, he doesn't have a job. They're moving to Bell, Missouri, mm-hmm. where her mother's parents live. Yes. So in the next episode, we're going to meet the Underwoods, Elizabeth's maternal grandparents. We're going to start seeing what her life will look like in Bell, Missouri. Will things get better? How long will they be able to stay with the grandparents? Well, guess what? You can find out <laughs> next week. It's interesting stuff. And it, Be- it is. Bell was 390 miles from Monticello, and it's in Missouri. It has its own, the Underwoods have their own great story. They do. You give us a teaser. What, tell me a little quick something about your grandfather. Well, great grandfather. Great. Is that what it? It should be a great grandfather. Great grandfather. Yes. Um, was my great great, right? They, so. Lou, so Elizabeth so, is your, grand, oh, your great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, see, we can't do math. These are, <laughs> so these are, we have this great photo that we'll talk about next podcast and put it up eventually on uh-huh. um, Patreon. Instagram. Patreon. So it's this great photo and you see these two older people sitting in the front. That's my great, great grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then this line of siblings in the back. All of these are my relatives. Mr. George Underwood was a huge part of the community in Mary's County, which was this county in Missouri. He was the sheriff. So cool. Yeah. 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 That'll so be when neat. you see this picture, it'll all come together. Oh, fabulous. So join us next Tuesday for episode three of My Grandma's Diaries. Find us on TikTok if you want to get ahead of the story, because we're up to 1933 in the TikTok. We've got a lot going on. Always follow our Instagram account. We will post a couple of pictures from today's episode, but we also have started our Patreon account. Yay! 
Yay! So Mark and I have got our Patreon all set up, ready mm-hmm. for wonderful producers like you who want to support the show. At the $5 level, we are going to have a gallery to match every podcast episode. Yeah. So pictures of Elizabeth, of her family, of maps, of the town where she lived in. These friends of hers, uh, Mabel and Mary Claire and Mana Peacock. That's so cool. All those people will be there. Also, we do a live event every Sunday on the TikTok. Uh, if you miss it or if you don't have TikTok, which is totally fine, we will always post those live episodes later on the $5 level of our Patreon. <laughs> um, we have a second level called Best Friends of Elizabeth. It's $10 a month. And for that, every week, we're going to drop bonus episodes. So it's either going to be us spending time answering all the comments, questions, and, and interests that you have in Elizabeth's life. We're also going to be interviewing Mark's mom, who is Elizabeth's daughter. And we haven't even mentioned this yet. Uh, your mom is an identical twin. Yes, she sure is. So we have heard that her sister also has a great memory of things all about Elizabeth. So hopefully we'll get an interview with her as well. Mm-hmm. We have distant relatives that we have found that have contacted it's us a, it's been through TikTok. And maybe we'll interview them. So we'll always have a really fun bonus episode if you are a best friend of Elizabeth. So find us on the Patreon. On all the things, we're My Grandma's Diaries. Mm -hmm. So look for us, support us. Hopefully, by the time we're wrapping up this diary, we should have a field trip planned to Mm -hmm. Arkansas and Missouri. I want to see these places. I want to to fix a Duran baby head. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go fix it. Fix that Duran baby head. So thank you for joining us today. Please join us next Tuesday for episode three of My Grandma's Diaries. Bye. Bye. That was cute. That rock.